Ola Nation, this is Carlos Reyes, and welcome back to the realest podcast in the game where we bring you the cream of the crop. That's right, the top 1% in the world, and we dig deep to see what makes them tick. Today, we have a very special guest. I call him the king of the multi-family asset class in real estate, Mr. Tim Bross, my brother. How you doing, Welcome, man. man. Dude, Welcome. It's so good to be here. Long overdue. How you doing? Long overdue, man. I know. I know, man. We've, um, been, we've been connected for a long time. It's just, it's, it, dude, it's a great honor first to be here. I respect the hell out of both of you guys. So Thank you, brother. We respect uh, you. It's just awesome to finally connect in person. Man, uh, instantly, as soon as he... I, I, what was what was the last time you ever saw me wait for somebody outside the building? I haven't honestly, and he was. I'm like, what is he waiting for? And then I found I found out it was you. Yeah. yeah. Even when uh, uh, when we had Grant uh, Grant Cardone on the podcast back in July 2019, we didn't wait outside the building. But today I was like. <laughs> You just have a vibe that I can read, man. The the energy, right? Do you feel the vibe over here? I'm asking my other guys, right? You have a super, super good good vibe, brother. But um, man, you know why I'm very, very excited about this specific podcast? Is because I believe that Sal and I have made a, a great name for ourselves, a good reputation in the single family residential space, right? Um, when it comes to building, scaling, automating, delegating uh, an actual business. And we here, I'll give you an example. There, there's an old saying, uh, there was, a, uh, I think it was a Coach John Wooden from the UCLA Bruins, mm -hmm. right? One of his uh, athletes, his student athletes came up to him and he was like, Coach, Coach, you know, how much do you know about basketball, right? And he took the basketball, right? And he put it in front of him and he's like, go get me a Sharpie. Have you ever heard the story? No. And then he goes, he goes, this is how much I know about basketball, the actual basketball. Then he says, then he goes, look at this. Takes the Sharpie, puts a little dot on the basketball. This is how much you know about basketball. So the basketball is how much you know about multifamily. The little dot is how much you and me know about multifamily. And that's why I'm very excited about this podcast, man. So uh, thank you for being, brother, for being here. And uh, I'm excited to have you. Likewise, you man. Likewise. We've heard so many good things about you, too. And, bro, every time I watch a video of yours, you're like, you have such a strong personality. Like, you're screaming at, at people like you want them to un understand what you mean about the financial freedom. And I love yeah. that about you. We actually talked about this with the production team. We call that the bull mentality, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm a huge fan of that. So <laughs> so keep doing what you're doing, man. No, I appreciate I, it, man. So just, I, you know, you get passionate about it of like, I, I'm a true believer that like wealth is like sunshine, right? There's an abundance of it. You guys getting sunshine takes no sunshine away from me. Us teaching other people how to build wealth takes no sunshine away from us. In fact, it doesn't create competition, creates more collaboration mm. of ways that we can do business together, build wealth together. I mean, there's there's a scarcity mindset and I'm just more abundant mindset of like, and I want it for people, you know? Like I want it more for them than sometimes they want it for themselves. Absolutely. And so it's... uh. Uh, aren't you already, to convey that, you know? aren't you already building some pretty solid alliances with a bunch of like single family guys? Like, uh, you were, t I mean, you've been in, you're in Phoenix, Arizona. When did you land here? Uh, shoot yesterday at, at 1230 okay. or so something. Give me, give me a quick rundown of what <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona has, has been like for you in the last 24 hours. I, I showed up, I went straight to Steve Trang's Okay, office. disruptors. Yeah. And so I was on did his, you, by the way, did you see his board? Uh, that he has his uh, on his podcast, yeah, 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 yeah. unbelievable, Dude, right? He he's done some, he's invested some serious coin into that. Yeah, but that's that's because that. he knows, man. Like this, the the um, the amount of content and eyeballs and like it creates opportunity, right? If you're talking about what you have going on, you're talking about uh, new new business opportunities. You can raise money, you get deal flow from it. Um, you can launch books or or kids books. You know, yeah, like there's so yeah. many different things that you can do. 
uh, if you have eyeballs. I get the question of like, what's the highest and best use of your time? It's actually connecting relationship-wise mm -hmm. with guys like you and Steve and Pace and um, and seeing what we can do together and promoting each other, man. Like, yeah. you know, like we know who the good guys are. We know who the guys that are going to get spun out, you know, yeah. because they're tr more transactional. We were For talking sure. offline about that. But the people who are more relationship-based are the ones that – you know, you know, have the staying power to build big businesses long term, and dude, just developing those relationships and and supporting each other, and me pushing people your way, and you, you know, having me on your podcast. It's just it's it's awesome to see where we are, and it's even more exciting to see where we're all going. All right, so God, I got so many questions for this man. Okay, let's run down the last twenty four hours. So Steve, right? Cause, Steve, yeah. Steve Tring, I'm on his podcast. It was like the longest podcast he's ever done. So we did like a full two hours. The lights ended up like shutting off on us. Crazy. <laughs> so uh, we talk, we got pretty deep in that, and then. Um, in the last 15 minutes, Pace busted in the door and he's like, dude, I'm here too. And he, he joined for the last 15 minutes of, of it. And then uh, he took me over and it, this, we were supposed to grab dinner and he took me over to his office and then he had Jamil there and he had Brent Daniels there mm -hmm. and, and we all jumped on the whole hotline. Yeah. Did you guys do a whole yeah, so hotline, whole okay, hotline cool. yeah. just on the, on the, on the cuff. And um, that was exciting. That was fun. So we hung out there for a little bit and then dude, Brent takes me out for like, some whiskey and some old fashions and stuff. So we got after it, had some really good conversations. Where last did you night. guys go? Uh, the place that has like the wood fired pizza, like right, right around the corner. How are the house. old fashions? It's delicious, dude. They're okay. Really Cause good. the best old fashions that I personally have had uh, are at that cigar shop. Um, Maple and Ash has pretty good ones too, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, hard it is to yeah, put a really yeah, good yeah, old fashion really good together, ones. right? Yeah. yeah they, but, these were seven and a half, eight out of 10. Okay. Well, so still not bad, I guess. Yeah, right. Bad, yeah. Bad. All right. Um, so he, he barges in, they're like, Hey, let's go shoot wholesale hotline. <laughs> so we do that. Then I go hang out with Brent while Pace goes and does a, a podcast. Um, and then I stayed at Pace's house. He's like, dude, just stay at my house. I was like, oh, all right. So, and then he gave, and they gave me a car too. Like, yeah, he's he, such a nice he just guy. get man. a car off of creative financing, <laughs> yeah. right? Like this dude is starting to get, he's doing sub two on cars now. <laughs> That's crazy. It's wild. Right? Wow. So I stayed at his house. And then this morning I went and visited him on site or on, on set uh, for his show, his a &E yeah. show. Yeah. How was got, that? Got to meet his Fun. director. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool to see like a little bit behind the scenes. And then I went over to Brent's, was on his thing again, like the, the millionaire under 30 or whatever it is. Yep. And um, had a great conversation with those guys and i was like dude i gotta go match up with carlos like let's yeah uh, i gotta run so then came over to you and then we're going to the airport you've had this. a very very productive 24 hours yeah man and that's that i mean talk about return on time dude, right you guys have great just an amazing network here thank in you. phoenix like thank you, you brother like the amount of players and uh real rock stars that are here man Pe people awesome. call it the guru capital of the world I don't but, know if that's a good thing or I know, a bad but hold thing. On, hold on. It, it's, <laughs> a, it's either here or tampa for yeah. sure okay but let me let me just say probably this, more right? here though yeah so you know, remember the old school gurus, right? And mm -hmm. I'm not going to specifically have any any names because yeah. I really don't. But from what I hear is back in the days, you know, gurus were very transactional. Mm -hmm. The new age, the new wave of gurus or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll be called a guru if you want me to. But guess yeah. what? Like, like people, we're servants now for sure like we're, you know you're an educator in some way and the you real know? definition of guru is that yeah you know yeah. and then all of a sudden it got this bad name and uh it had this like negative connotation to it the reality is if you look it up man you should be pretty honored to be called a guru absolutely you know? and that's why what do i keep saying so i'm bringing i'm bringing mm -hmm. i'm bringing integrity back to the word guru like 100%. that's what i keep saying you know? i don't mind being called we had a that guru. discussion like a year and a half ago we're like man that has a bad bad name nowadays because mm -hmm. of wh whatever happened but in reality it's actually a, an honorable thing to do let, let, let me we actually had a whole we had a definition. whole discussion about this on a, on a three-way call mm -hmm. it was me him and alex and we're like 
all right, man, well, we got to do some things differently because, and we believe in something. You just mentioned earlier, by the way, like I got goosebumps with just listening to it. it uh, collaboration versus competition. Mm -hmm. And the way it was before, it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. Competition versus collaboration. It was scarcity. It was hoarding. You and, know? And, and I think that's when like the guru start to like deviate from the actual goal that they're supposed to achieve mm -hmm. and who we are today you know it's all about collaboration we've we, we been there man we, well we, we 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 almost drifted into the way where okay like this is like this ours, is it, ours and you know what that was probably it's a muscle you got to build for sure man like it's we, not we're, even we're like, not made with it you know yeah it's true yeah. but but you know it's not even a good feeling to feel like everybody's like out there to get you like what? i would rather like feel Negative like energy even if they're not you know what that's why i'm gonna send you love like i'm gonna show you what you need to know and uh, if you if you want to ask me more questions i'm gonna deliver it to you because I don't want you to think that I'm holding anything mm -hmm. back, and maybe they'll change them. They'll change their ways. Agreed. Um, Agreed. One hundred percent. We're. All, I believe that on 2022, like we've been everybody that I know, it's, it's been collaboration. Been, yeah. The people that are on that other side, honestly, they just cut themselves. And, and and sell. Like think about this: if somebody buys something from you, they're not going to buy it from me, or they're no. not going to buy it from <laughs> Tiffany High, or they're not going to buy it. No. Like, dude. How many courses have you ever bought? I bought all of them, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a buyer, and a buyer is a buyer. Or somebody who's a student is a student. Absolutely. And, and like, like, to be able to share knowledge and share insights and share resources, it creates more opportunity. We're going to be talking about multifamily. Yeah. I'm going to give you guys insights on how to get into multifamily. And who knows? I might come in and sign on one of your deals or joint venture with you guys on an opportunity. You guys bring the money. I bring the balance sheet or the uh, operation side of things. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, one plus one equals three. And we're doing a lot more deals together. Yep, absolutely. Beautiful. So the word guru, by the way, I looked, I'm here. Oh, yeah, right? good. Okay. An influential teacher or popular expert. I mean, that's pretty good. It's a teacher. It's somebody right? who's giving value. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right? right? You're delivering value. So anyway, uh, more questions for you, man. Um, okay. So talk to us. What was your upbringing like? Like, where are you from? Where were you born? What kind of family were you, you know, raised with? What does that look like? Yeah, I'm, I'm a... Blue collar kid from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. I was raised in the suburbs of Cleveland. My dad was a was a cop, and then my mom was stay at home mom. I'm one of four kids, and um, you know didn't come from money. But my dad was kind of like rich dad and poor dad, you know, um, in that he lived. He had a full time police job, but dude, his part time like uh, he had like a personnel security business that would provide security to mm. apartment buildings, a lot and of factories cops do that. and foundries, yeah. 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 And so um, he was like the best of the guys who would take like the worst type of properties you know like in in the in the war zones and stuff uh, but he was the only one reliable enough and uh so it, all of a sudden it started spreading like wildfire and he built this great business on a part-time basis wow. that paid him three four times as much in his part-time business than he did in his full-time job did he end job. up quitting his full-time job never left wow because yeah. he's like i can't leave you know i got four kids at home i can't leave the security of it i can't i what am i gonna do for health insurance i was Man, like that's crazy and i didn't really understand it yeah. back then yeah but he's always like, hey, go to school, get a good job, get good grades, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, but dad, you make more money in your business than you do in your full-time job. I want to be a business owner. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of what planted the seed of like being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then I was going through college, 03 to 07, and uh, just realized, man, that so many people were making money in real estate. Mm -hmm. And it was like- Where were you going to college in? Uh, Miami of Ohio. I don't know if it's, okay. it's like in Cincinnati. And so- uh, you know, there were people, man, like making money in real estate. And I was like, dude, if this guy's making money, it wasn't that bright. I was like, I'm going to get rich <laughs> doing this stuff. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I graduated from college in 07, moved out to New York City because my brother was living out there and I got my real estate license. I thought that was the next step. Mm -hmm. And I got and I parked my license with a brokerage that was a commercial brokerage, not residential. And uh, so I ended up like leasing retail space and office space. 
And then uh, I, I took like a 400 square foot space, like the size of the studio in there. Yeah. And leased it to a falafel shop at $10,000 a month. Holy Jesus smokes. Christ. How? Yeah. 10000 a month, 12-year lease term, 4% annual You increase. leased it to that person? Yeah. And, well, and the falafels must be paying good. Yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, we're selling <laughs> a lot of on falafels. On a side street in, in New York. Yeah. And, and you do the math as a money-motivated kid at 21 years old, and you're like, holy smokes. Like, this landlord is going to make almost $2 million bucks over the next 12 years for doing something once on a little portion of the real estate. square foot. Yeah. So they had eight retail spaces. All, all, all the other ones were bigger than that, and they had 10 stories of apartments. I was like, shit, I'm on the wrong side of the coin. Mm. I need to be owning real estate, not brokering it. Uh, so I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina in uh, summer of 08 and start just going through the whole analysis thing, trying to learn about real estate. And uh, right when I show up to the party, ready to start buying real estate, the whole friggin' market collapses. Oh, right? Le Lehman Brothers yeah. go out of business mm -hmm. and all every mortgage brokerage office goes out of business. And um, it was like, oh shit, now nobody's- All, all confidence in real estate just went out the window. I, I still knew that real estate wasn't an experiment, right? It's not like a tech startup or something new. Like since the dawn of civilization, it's wealth has been stay. measured in yeah. real estate, yeah. you know, in land ownership. And mm. so I knew that that wasn't a, a, a question mark, but all these people are like run from real estate. And what that really messed me up on is raising money. Dude, it's like it was polar opposite back in 08, 09 than it is today where deals were everywhere. You couldn't walk down the street without, you know, yeah. uh, walking into or seeing 20% of the houses foreclosed upon. Um, you could take your pick of any house at any price point you wanted, but the, the money, money wasn't there. Yep. There was very more deals than money. Very different than today. Today, there's a lot more money and deals. fewer deals, yep. right? Um, but I got into like creative financing and creative structuring. I actually bought my first house in April of 2009 on my credit card. Mm -hmm. And so I bought on a credit card, physically did all the work to it, flipped it, made like 13 grand, 14 grand after I, uh, in like 110 days. And I was like, holy shit, this is the biggest check I've ever made personally. Was this in South Carolina? Yeah. What, what part of it again? Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and everybody's like running from real estate, but I just made the biggest check of my life up until then, right? And so I'm like, let's do it again. And then I get into wholesaling and I started really learning about wholesaling. And then I start meeting people who have access to money, uh, but maybe don't have the bandwidth or the knowledge on how to buy and hold real estate. You're the expert. Yeah. And well, so at that point, he wasn't yet. Yeah, I was right? like, you figuring it out. Yourself yeah, as an yeah. expert. But they knew that I could find good deals. They knew I had a good a work ethic. So yeah. if somebody's new, dude, just work your ass off, right? And you will get the attention of people who have access to capital that want to invest in you and your future because you're just, uh, you have better attitude than most of the other people out there, you know? I don't really hire today for skill. I hire today for attitude. And then I can mm. teach them the skills, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that's way more important, especially for somebody like you guys who understand business. Um, you guys would invest in somebody, like, like your guy who does asset management, right? Yeah, you yeah. hired him at 18 years old. 18. You saw his work ethic. His you saw his, uh, his ability. He didn't friggin' know anything about real estate. You guys taught him everything, and now mm. the guy's a rock star. He's flipping millions of dollars in real estate. It's amazing. It's, yeah. it's amazing. But you guys saw that in him, and you guys then invested in him, and now he's got a phenomenal opportunity because he was able, he was willing to do more than he got paid for. It was making an investment in his future. Absolutely. You know? and, and guys like us recognize that and we want to give that opportunity to people. So um, there were people that, were, that, that, that did that for me. And mm -hmm. I ended up raising some private money, built up a portfolio of about 10 doors. And I wasn't rich, but I had enough residual income coming in from those 10 doors that I self-managed that paid for all the operating expenses, all the debt service, all the um, my personal expenses as well, mm -hmm. and put some money in my pocket, like a thousand bucks a month. So I wasn't rich, but... Dude, technically at 25, I was financially free. Oh, yeah. And 
I think I got it all figured out. So then I went and bought fancy cars and I joined fancy clubs and I chased fancy shiny objects and I actually ended up selling nine of those 10 houses in order to pursue other opportunities and went broke by the time I was uh, other opportunities that shiny object syndrome, right? Yeah. Or like the shiny. Just new businesses, the, new new things that I thought could generate more revenue. The really you thought, whatever you touch is going to turn to gold. Exactly. And forgot about the yep. one thing that. Yep, that yep. set me up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, found myself with, dude, 80 bucks in my bank account, 25 grand in credit card debt, paying for gas with the coins out of the cup holder of my car, selling wow. DVDs on, on Craigslist for 2 to $3 a piece. And what year was that? 2012. Wow. Hustling. You're yeah. just hustling. So, yeah. dude, anything that I could do to try to make a couple of bucks. And uh, I'm like, fuck, and I, I got to get out of this. Let me go back to doing real estate. And real estate saved my ass. I sold my, my own primary residence, which was the only house that I still had, and sold it and made 50 Gs on it. And I moved back to Cleveland, and I moved in with my parents for a year wow. at 27 years old. And then um, got engaged with my wife, got married, moved into a family house, three bed, one bath, about 900 square feet, um, 1970s uh, um you know, is, is, is how it was all built out. It has never been updated and just kind of like swallowed my pride. I was like, dude, real estate made sense for me. I was, I was able to be financially free at 25. Let me swallow my pride and be real about where I am right now. Financially. Let me, let me pull back on uh, all the expenditures and just put myself in better position. And dude, if I didn't go through that, I don't think I'd be as good of a steward of capital as I am today. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's a lot better to lose, you know, 25 grand than it is to lose 250 or 2.5 million or 25 so million when dollars. When you're worth a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars, right. how much is a lot? How much is a yeah. lesson? Yeah. That was a $25,000 so, lesson. So it was way better to do it back then. And, uh, and dude, you know, I swallowed my pride. I, I, I traded in my Mercedes and I got a Honda Accord from 2005 or something. You know, I just did stuff like that to just make better financial decisions, realizing I need to build up the assets before I went and built those mm -hmm. or bought those things again. And, um, when I left some of those other business ventures that I was pursuing, I met some people, some great connections, learned a lot during that. And um, they're like, hey, we have money. We made money over here. We want to deploy it into real estate. This is all in South Carolina still. No, I moved back to Ohio. Okay. So in 2012, <clears throat> excuse me, fall of 2012, I moved back to Ohio. And they're like, we'll put up some money. You go and do the work and we'll split the equity. And mm -hmm. so I had an exclusive partnership with a couple of guys and they put up about 300 grand which actually did some damage in 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 uh, Cleveland, Ohio, in 2012. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you could buy a lot of stuff with that. Yeah, and um, that's a down payment now. Yeah, exactly. Back then, but, you could. That's several down payments. Well, well dude, I was buying houses that were uh, rented for 600 bucks a month, and I'd buy the house for 6,500 dollars. <laughs> wow, stupid. 100 percent yeah. cap rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bought my first apartment building in in right around Christmas of 2012. Eight units for thirty thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! Do you still have it? No, I sold it. Okay. And um, it was like C-class and small and like, you know, mm -hmm. but it was a, a great stepping stone. And after that year of being up there in Cleveland and, and in this partnership with these guys, they ended up putting about a million bucks up. We, I, I grew it to about 140 doors. And I just realized like the scale in apartments really resonated with my sense of efficiency, with my sense of like my goals of what I wanted to achieve. And um, that partnership ended up not, uh, working out. We ended up liquidating everything in like 2015. And I started my current portfolio, building my current portfolio in 2015, which really, you know, is one of those things where, Hey, Oh my God, I got to press the reset button again mm -hmm. and uh, sell, liquidate everything, start all over. But dude, but, that, but at this that, time that you, you have was a really, foundation, a financial foundation, right. right? And that's, and I had connections and I had people that wanted yeah. to do business with me, but I couldn't because I had that exclusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, that setback was really set up. 
you know, for better things. And so we liquidated. I had some cash now personally. I got back into flipping turnkey houses and then um, just started passively investing in apartments again, uh, sp sponsoring loans, which means like I co-sign on the loan mm -hmm. and raise some money. And over the course of about two years, by the end of 2017, uh, I had about 300 doors again and realized 90% of my net worth came from my apartments. And it was mm. like 10% of my time. Wow. And, I, and I was still flipping 80 to 100 houses a year. And I'm like, dude, what if I pivoted all my team, all my resources towards only going all in at apartments? Mm -hmm. And we were okay. We're like nothing like you guys. Like you guys are amazing at flipping houses and wholesaling. We were okay at it. Um, but the margins were small and it was really Especially easy in those areas. Yeah. It was easy I for mean, me to walk away from where our flips are single family six deals. figure, like our flips. Yeah. Your payday. Our single big. family flips are six figures. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's because obviously the market in this area, right? Southwest, right? In that, in that area that you're in, I mean, even to this day, it's really difficult to get a six figure flip out mm -hmm. of there, even to right now. Yeah. We know? were in turnkey. So we're doing like $60,000 houses. So like there, our biggest rips were. Ten to fifteen thousand yeah. dollars, and our average was probably five to seven. That's tough. So we weren't really generating a ton of money. It was pretty easy for me to just burn the ships over there and just focus on. We use the same resources toward focus the energy there. Yep. And so from end of twenty seventeen to the beginning of twenty eighteen, we doubled our portfolio. Or to within six months, we doubled our portfolio to six hundred doors. Wow. And then I took down a deal in June of two thousand seven or two thousand eighteen that was um, another seven hundred doors. So I went to like thirteen hundred. Ended the year with around 13, 1400 doors in 2018. And then I bought another 2000 doors in 2019. I bought another thousand doors in, in 2020. And, um, this is, this is, these numbers are crazy. This it's great. It was, <laughs> and so it was like, the point is, dude, I was shitty at real estate for the first seven or eight years until I really got good about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And then this comp, but the compound effect was always working underneath mm -hmm. the surface. Right. Mm -hmm. And then once that snowball started rolling, dude, you couldn't stop it. Yeah. And, um, and so I had a ton of growth and in 2021 has been a, a, a lot more like refinement. We picked up 600, well, I mean, a hundred million dollars worth of property still last year, hundred, a little more than that. Um, but in our current portfolio, I got up to a little over 4,800 doors, but mm -hmm. I sold a thousand in the past 12 months and the next probably three, four months is going to be more of like refinement. So we've been trimming the fat. We've been, um, selling off the small properties. We've been selling off the C-class properties and really just focusing on the B-class built in the past 20 years or newer, mm -hmm. 2000 or newer, let's call it. And uh, and we do some development stuff too. So my portfolio is probably gonna drop, I'm at 400 million right now. It'll drop to around 200. Mm -hmm. And then we're gonna make a big push and try to end around 500 million by the end of so the year. So what are you gonna do? Because you're about to cash out probably half of your yeah, but you it's know, like the doors, shitty right? properties. It's the smaller ones, not that much margin. They're okay, you know, like uh, management intensive. So like, I'll 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 cash out eight figures on it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's not and like well, a huge. What are you gonna do with that? Um, you know, I, like dude, for me, and and I don't know if other real estate people have have ever felt this way, but my life cycle in real estate has always been like feast and famine from a liquidity standpoint. I've either been really cash rich yeah. or really equity rich. Yeah. And as soon as I get money come in. I've always been like, I need to deploy it because I'm not making any money on my mm -hmm. money. And then I'm like, oh shit, I deployed way too much money. And now I need to like pull some I money have back. enough to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I've infused a lot of cash into the prop, like, like three, four million bucks over the past 12 months alone um, into my portfolio, just kind of getting it ready, knowing that I was going to sell mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. So I'm going to get that back. I'm going to take another, I don't know, let's call it nine, $10 million off the table. And uh, I think, dude, I'm just, 
I'm just going to kind of keep it liquid, right? I, I have a, enough momentum and enough private money where I don't really need to use my own cash. Yeah. And I, dude, I don't give a shit how much money you have. You will eventually run out of your own yeah. cash doing these big deals. For sure. So I'll contribute as an equity investor to some of the deals and put 500 grand in or 300 grand in. don't have to have the whole skin in the game. But I, yeah, I don't need that. And I can raise the money and still have a big chunk of equity as the general partner in these things. Um, and then have the peace of mind of, dude, of just having a bunch of liquidity, you know? Yeah. And so that makes me feel good. And then I have a ton of equity still in my mm -hmm. current portfolio and will continue to grow um, the net worth that way. Now that you're, you're going to hold on to some liquidity, uh, we're praying that, you know, the dollar the doesn't, dollar, dollar stays as strong, at least as strong as it is. Yep. I mean, you saw what's happening it, with the, what is it? The ruby? The ruble. The, the ruble, right? Yep. From, from Russia. Yep. I mean, that is like at an all-time low right now from what yep. I hear, right? Yeah, so so I think from a dollar perspective, um, first of all, I have plenty of cash-flowing real estate to offset a lot of that or that, that um, uh, inflation, mm -hmm. right? So I have cash-flowing real estate. There's no better way to offset inflation than to have real estate because mm -hmm. cash-flowing real estate rents rise with inflation. Yep. Got it. it is, so it, it's, it's the best way to offset and combat that inflation that we will feel. Um, here's the reality, dude. Wars create productivity and they create money, more, more, more money business, yep. yeah. and drives all, all, all business and economic activity. And guess what, dude? That's a pretty good way of, of watching or, or kind of the government turning a blind eye yeah. to printing $7 trillion over the past 24 well, months. There's, there's another point right? that I don't and, know if it's, if so, you heard about it, the, 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 the dollar might not be the, uh, as strong as it is? Well, not not as strong because like the, the main the currency oil, of yeah, the main currency for oil because they're saying that there might be a new coin, there's a new currency for oil itself. Uh, where is it coming from? I don't I don't know. Okay. And if they make that, uh, the dollar might drop. It, it might drop. And this is this is something uh, Russia is definitely pushing for that. So uh, if that happens, but, oh, you know what though? They've been no. I, sorry, uh, I think about a decade ago I heard. Um, and we're not going to go into. Oh places, no! I mean, right? this is not a politics but, but, thing. But you know, but but I heard that you know some of those countries, Iran, Russia, China, mm -hmm. were trying to get paid in uh, in gold for oil. Yeah, no, they're trying to make a whole new currency. Yeah. And I I literally just found out about this uh, two days ago. One of the doctors I was talking to, and he's like, yeah, this like he's very concerned about what's happening. He's like, man, well, the, the, your money might not even be worth what the, what it's worth. Which, I love what your point is that. Your cash flow is technically what the currency is. Doesn't matter what the price yeah. of the dollar at that point well, is. Yep. Yeah. There's an old saying. What's the one thing they're not making any more of, right? Yep. Land. Yeah. Land. Absolutely. Know? But I'm just saying, like, th there is a lot of factors that goes into that, and this is something smart. So he instead of but so when you're buying gold, his gold is his asset that's R producing estate, money. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter the amount because the amount is fluctuated based on the dollar value. Yeah. So yeah. and, and and I'll I'll throw a bunch of money into crypto and you know have li liquidity in those capacities so it's not just sitting there in cash. You're diversifying it, your portfolio yeah, it'll, a little it'll, bit. Yeah. yeah, it'll be yeah. you know diversified very in, smart. in the market in in cryptocurrency and then and then in real estate. You know I'm just so heavy into real estate. I have uh, and dude you know gold's cool but you can't cash flow gold. You know True. what I mean? So it, it'll maintain an, a stable value. Oh, real estate is a better option than yeah, gold so at 100%. To me, it's 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 buying that, and then you have the tax depreciation yep. and benefits and all that kind of stuff that owning commercial real estate can offer. And um, yeah, man, so that, that's that's kind of the game plan. Just stay liquid, have have eight figures liquid, and then just keep on rolling, you know? I have two things. One of them was a question one of them to bring to, to awareness to the audience. So you said that you kind of blew up over like year after year, like you went big. Compounding. Thousand doors, the compound yeah. effect. 
And then I've seen this. I've seen this pattern with many business owners. People sitting where you're sitting with our companies. When you grow so fast, that year will come, and you're like, okay, let me reflect on yep. what happened, and I st you start to tweak your business mm -hmm. and to see like where where you're hemorrhaging money, what where the mistakes are are, mm -hmm. are made, and then you're trying to just tighten up the ship. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be a pattern that every business owner that grows faster or like the growth pattern is so much faster than intentionally uh, yep. intended for. And that's what happened. Well, you're working on the business instead of in the business, you know, and you're, you're reflecting on that. And I think it's so important to reflect on where your business is, where are you making the money, where are the biggest headaches, right? Mm -hmm. there, there's some intangibles that are less quantifiable. Um, but dude, if it's, if it's a headache and we got, uh, we have to have a shitty conversation about this one property more than three times, let's sell it, dude, yeah, you know, yeah. like get rid of it. It's not worth it. Yep. The creative energy that could be put in towards, you know, that. buying better properties is is where we should be spending our time. I love that. Yeah, just like lawsuits, sometimes we're like, man, I really don't have that mental capacity for this give lawsuit. Give it to the attorneys, let them handle yeah, it. Yeah, let them handle Don't even bother me about nope. it. Just give me, give me good news. If it's bad news, handle the bad news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same um, way. The, the second thing I want to highlight over, so you being in the business you're in, uh, I think tax hacks and tax savings and like depreciation. Do you have some some golden nuggets that you can you can share with us here with the audience that you're you're doing uh, depreciating assets? You know, do you depreciate the whole thing? Do you do you kind of fast? Uh, let, let me ask him just on that yeah. specific question. Do you believe that multifamily is the 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 premier asset uh, class when it comes to depreciating assets? Mm -hmm. I'm no. sorry to to, no. to uh, depreciating or paying less taxes. Um, as far as depreciation goes, taxes. you can depreciate storage units mm -hmm. much more in the in year one than you can apartments. Got it. Um, and, and that's probably why a lot of people are buying. There's there's a couple things that I've seen. There's a shift in the market that I've seen um, when it comes to asset classes, right? Storage units, mm -hmm. multifamily, mm -hmm. and mobile homes. Yep. Right. So mobile homes, if you buy the park and just the park, it, it's almost like buying a business, right? Or with a it's like buying real estate, but it's like raw land. So mm -hmm. it's taxed very low mm -hmm. from, a, from a property tax level, mm -hmm. but there's no depreciation on land. Mm -hmm. Like there's a depreciation on the improvements of the land and the building on the land. But if you buy a mobile home park, there's no depreciation on that other than if you own the mobile homes themselves, mm -hmm. then you can depreciate all of those, I think in year one. And so you can write those off as if you bought a vehicle and write off the entire thing in year one. So if, it, if the park comes with, um, the actual mobile homes, then yes, you most get a lot more will. depreciation. Mo mo most of them, most that we see already have mobile homes. Well, obviously those are the make the most money and that's what smart to go. But if you're leasing it to a, a bunch of people, I think that's not the biggest. So, so here's something that's really important to understand and talk to your tax advisor, talk to your CPA, whatever. I'm not, I'm not that person. But if you're a full-time real estate professional, there's a lot of benefits mm -hmm. to owning and holding real estate, right? So you guys are full-time real estate professionals. What that means is it takes all of your earned active income and puts it in the same bucket as all of your passive losses, mm -hmm. okay? Meaning when you, uh, when you buy a property, you can offset your wholesale income with the depreciation of that apartment complex, mm. okay? And you can, you can accelerate the depreciation mm -hmm. by doing something called a cost segregation study, mm -hmm. which means you can come in and say, hey, this building's worth 10 million bucks, and it gets depreciated over 27 and a half years. Most commercial, all other commercial gets depreciated over 40 years, but apartments get 27 and a half, same as like residential. Mm -hmm. The difference, the, what a cost seg does, it comes in and says, hey, 
those appliances aren't going to last 27 years. They're going to last eight years. Mm -hmm. So you front end load those eight years of depreciation. Mm -hmm. You know, this floorings might last uh, six years, right? So we're going to front end load that. And the, the trim, roof, the roof, the, the yeah, mechanicals, yeah. everything else gets line itemed out and, and get, has a, a shorter lifespan. And typically mm -hmm. you can take around 25% a depreciation on that apartment building in year one. So if you went and bought a $10 million apartment building, you can typically get between two to two and a half million dollars of depreciation in year one by doing a cost segregation. And study. that can probably offset, in some cases, people's income. Or, so so yeah. if you're a full-time real estate professional, mm -hmm. that could offset your entire income. Yeah. Right? The difference is, I, I see this and um, I see some people who teach this stuff and it's not right the way what they said, but if you're not a full-time real estate professional, your, your income is in two different buckets, mm. earned active income and passive income, meaning dividends and interest mm -hmm. income and things like that. Mm -hmm. So if you're a rich doctor yep. and you go and buy real estate thinking I can get $2 million of depreciation in year one it's to not, offset, it's not, gonna happen. it's not gonna happen. It only offsets their passive income. From the real estate. From anything. So it could be interest income from lending money. Whatever money be, they make off rents from that. It, it, it from could that be rents. It yeah. could be it could be interest income from yep. lending other people. It could yeah. be dividend income mm -hmm. from stocks. Yep. It could be royalty income. It's not going to offset their job it, income. Yeah. Exactly. Income, it won't yeah. offset that, but it will stay in place and it will continue to accrue. Mm -hmm. You know, and if they ever go full time, then maybe they could do that. But that's that's a misconception that I've seen. Is if you're not a full time real estate professional, you cannot offset that. And realtors are not full time real estate professionals; they're sales people. So unless you're actually actively investing in real estate, like us, like that, here's the key. Let's say you're a rich doctor, or a professional athlete, or uh, you have a, an e-commerce business that's crushing, and you're making big money, but you're not a full time real estate professional, but you need the depreciation. A lot of times, they they designate their spouse as mm -hmm. the full-time real estate professional and they file taxes jointly. Mm -hmm. And because they file taxes jointly, the spouse who, who does, they, and they have to spend 15 hours a week, which is um, 750 hours a year mm -hmm. uh, as a full-time real estate professional. So typically they'll buy a property mm -hmm. and the, the wife will, will operate it or run it in Renovate some capacity. And then they can go and buy an apartment building and have it professionally managed or they can passively invest in an apartment building, when whatever. Man, this is... When you start using your <laughs> wife. Well, you, you, you already, this is a already have it. right now. I, I, you, you, you already have the designation, so it doesn't matter for you. Okay. But it does matter for other people who aren't mm. full-time real estate professionals. Mm. So... Um, again, but, professional athlete, doctor, something. But along let those me lines. ask you because we're full-time investors, but we have like how many other? We, we have multiple businesses. So by the way, uh, we, uh -huh. we did the cost segs on this building that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So we did that already, and, and it was great. Uh, however, what I, the question was to ask: Do you have a specific formula for you for your business model that you go like, okay, I cost? Do you do a, a full cost segregation mm -hmm. always, or do you actually? extend it out through a few years or yeah, it, it depends on the property right if you're going to sell the property it doesn't make sense to do a cost segregation study yeah. typically if you're going to flip that apartment building in 12 months or 24 months it can actually hurt you because the additional depreciation mm -hmm. that you got um when you go to sell that gets recaptured yep. mm -hmm. and it gets recaptured at your earned income tax bracket not long-term capital gains mm -hmm. so if you're going to flip that building in less than 12 months it Don't doesn't even, matter yeah. mm -hmm. um and even if you can do it in 24 months it actually is going to hurt you mm -hmm. If I'm going to hold a building for typically five years or longer, I will do a cost segregation study. There you on go. It. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but it, going back to like the rich doctor, if their spouse is a real estate professional, um, then the spouse gets all the depreciation, and because they're married, filing taxes jointly, that depreciation, That's even though incredible. it's passive, can offset the active earned income yep. of of the dentist or That's the doctor. Incredible, huh? 
Smart. That's a very, very. This is how. Bro, it's, it's this, is how, this is how Donald Trump pays seven hundred dollars a year or something, right? Well, what you were asking is that we have multiple businesses, and are we are we considered full time investors, even though we have an ecom business, a medical business, a digital marketing business? You it's know, it's right? typically looked at like if an IRS person came in here, what would you be your primary business, right? If an IRS auditor came in here and you're like, hey, my primary business is my wholesaling business. Or is it your coaching business, or is it something else? No, no, you don't, I, you don't I, have to I, answer I, that to, here. No, real, real estate yeah. is is definitely. I would say it's it's the majority of then, it, but that doesn't mean there is money. Money wise, there is other ventures like we're in tech as well. So tech is yeah, yeah. potentially it, can be it doesn't necessarily have to be your uh, your greatest source of income. Typically, it yeah. it is because if you're spending the most time there, it's typically mm -hmm. the most money that you're making from it too. Um, but really, the designation is is it your? You gotta talk to a CPA about it, but I think it's. It, it's got to be your, your greatest. Actually, yeah, we spend the most amount of time. Time, yeah, in we that. spend the most amount of time. Okay. In it so doesn't it necessarily have be. to be the most money. Yeah, um, but worst case scenario, get your wives designated as full time real yeah. estate professionals too. If your ecom business takes off, your tech business takes off, or education or whatever, you start spending more time there. I think we have maybe you just want to insulate two that. to three other businesses that maybe maybe do more than our real estate side, but. Um, well, I was, I was, because there's difference, you know, there's volume, there's, there's, yeah. there's p individuals, time spent, like there is so many factors. That's why I'm like, which one would go, which one would be considered that? If it's you just typically time-based from what I, time -based. from so what time -wise, I've we, been told. Yeah. That, that's definitely. Man, you're dropping golden nuggets left and right here. Yeah, still talk to your CPA though. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, no, definitely, we definitely you know, do well. You know why I, by the way, I normally do this podcast alone because he's busy, he's too busy. Like he's mm -hmm. building, you know, he's. Well, I think our software's already built, right? So Yeah, we're launching. Yeah, uh, so he's, you know, he's working on that stuff and a bunch of other stuff like within, you know, the organization. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, I'm like, you you need to be on this podcast. Like I was hoping I I asked him and Alex, I'm like, "Hey, does any of you two want to be on this podcast?" And I was praying and hoping that he would, be, <laughs> right? Because obviously, you know, him and I started real estate together back yeah. in 14 and you know, our goal is to try to get our hands. I know it's a, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal, but we want to try to get our hands on 500 units by, you know, December 31st. We can absolutely do that. that. that Dude, that's with your goal. level of influence and See? your business acumen, I mean, that's that should be, I mean, setting a, it's setting a great goal, but it's very attainable, very yeah. attainable. It's Brother, very even realistic. If I, even if we fall short and we're at two, two to 300, I know I'll we'll be happy, it. but my goal really is like, how can we get to 500 this year, yep. right? And this is why I wanted him to be here because I, I kind of almost strategically like, cause he, he doesn't do the podcast mm -hmm. anymore. Right. I strategically, like when we had Brandon Dawson there, yep. I'm like, I need you to, I need you to listen to this man. We got Tim Brotz. Yep. I need you to listen to this man because you know what? I'll be honest yep. with you. You know, he's the, he's the, he's the, For sure, he's man. the machine, yeah. you know, behind That's why we built the teams that we've built, you know, it's because they lean in on their strengths. We lean in on our strengths mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we, we, we support each other in a way where it's, it's, um, you know, they're not dancing on, on, your strengths, but at the same time, they're offsetting your weaknesses kind of a thing. Yeah. Dude, that's what great partnerships do. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, you know? Yep. Um, uh, it's uh, one's one's more the marketing and and the business side of things, and the other one's the technical expert who mm -hmm. really understands That's what makes those our elements. stuff work yeah. it's powerful. very well, by the way. Thank God, you know, thank God. We're stuck with each other. <laughs> and we've had our, our disagreements <clears throat> and our fights and stuff, and but we know it's like a marriage, man, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and now we're way more respectful, right? Well, it's not just respectful. Because him and I have best so friends much, before. We, we have so much, uh, so much history now and so much knowledge. Like the, the business acumen alone, we're like, we're like, why are we doing, mm -hmm. like, this, is this for the business? Is this company? 
everybody's going for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you, you guys understand the vision and you guys have the same core values, right? Absolutely. And you guys um, are aligned on that. And dude, as long as you're aligned on that, it's like, you know, it's like your your Ten Commandments for your business, right? right. Your core values. Say, hey, let's make a decision. How do we go? You, we want to go that way. You want to go that way. Well, guess what? What aligns with our core values? That's what we're going to follow. Yeah. We know? actually have um, what we, what you call partnership principles, mm-hmm. and that's that's actually the law of our partnership. Love it, right? But to finish up, what I was saying was, I'm so glad you're here because guess what? That when I want, like, I'm like, man, we should probably buy buy a, a plane this year, right? So then I, I gotta. See, Sal's the kind of person where it has to be black and white, mm-hmm. right? It's, he's not very emotional based, which I love, by the mm-hmm. way, right? That's my side, right? Yep. But, I, you know, I'm like, all right, how do I make Sal see that that buying a plane is is, is, is a good thing? Because you guys are going to buy an apartment building from me in Georgia. That's why. So you guys got to get to it. My right? response was... Okay. I want to do. I want to. I want to cost the cost segregation and do everything that we have to do, or the the offsetting with with the with a building, an apartment building. So 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 that so, was my response my, to the plan. My, well, you're yeah. buying an asset that you can yeah, depreciate absolutely. versus a liability that you can depreciate. You know. Yeah. Um, what if you ever, yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, and if you have to sell the the. Um, if you take all the depreciation on that plane, you got to buy another plane, dude, because yep. otherwise you're you're. Can you put that into an apartment building? Uh no, it's gotta be like kind asset. I think yeah. Okay. All right. So but you in 1031 into another plane. Like that's okay. what Cardone did. You okay. know, he just got into a bigger plane because he needed more mm-hmm. depreciation. But dude, if he ever sells it, guess what, man? That thing is going, he's going to write a big ass tax bill because yep. he's taking so much depreciation. Yeah. So when I wanted Sal to see, hey, this is why it's worth investing in a plane, right? I had a breakdown. You know, I had to get on the phone with Steve Hart. Do you know Steve Howard? Yeah. Uh, Howard yeah, from yeah, Utah? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Amazing. Did you hear he, He's about such a good guy. Did you hear that dude sent the plane for all of us here in Phoenix? I, I know he bought one in whatever it was. He, he just came in on one of my deals for a big chunk of money. He is. He's, he's a great guy. Is, uh, awesome he's guy. one of my, I really love that dude, man. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm starting to meet some just amazing people, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, he sends the plane down for us and he's talking about, you know, the tax hacks behind the plane, why uh-huh. he did it and all that. And I'm like, Sal, like, we really need a plane, right? But, but. I would, but, do, I would do multifamily. Okay. So, before so, plane. so, right. I, I want him to see the other side of this business, mm-hmm. right? And this is why I'm like, man, I'm so glad that Sal's here because, you know, now he's listening to you speak and he's <laughs> listening to you break down everything about multifamily. What, how are you feeling right oh, now? Oh, I feel great. I, I honestly, like, I, I knew the greater choice was going to be multifamily. That's why I was excited about this podcast. I, obviously, I don't want this to be, like, more for yeah, me and for yeah. me. I want it for, for the audience here. Well, just in <laughs> case anybody's out there listening, you know, whoever's out there listening and watching, you know, this is the guy that I personally would trust with multifamily. So I'm Appreciate it, like man. edification, heavy endorsement. <laughs> this is the guy. Like, Appreciate it, brother. For any of our students and anybody in our community, if you want to learn multifamily, that's the dude you go to. Uh, how, can they, how can they reach you? Uh, hit me up on Instagram or, or Facebook. I'm really active on both of those. Um, if you're interested in like the, the multifamily stuff, like we, we do have a program called Commercial Empire. So commercialempire.com. Just go check that out. And um it's it's a live virtual event that we host like three times a year. Yeah. Um, so commercial empire yeah, and at we, by the way, Tim we're Bratz, not finishing right? the podcast. No, no, of course not. No, I just <laughs> yeah. because we're we're highlighting this. So and yeah. at yeah. Tim Bratz. Yeah, at, okay. at Tim Bratz on on Instagram. B R A T Z. Yep. Yep. And so, um, but I, I think this is a relevant conversation because you guys are making more money than you've ever made before. You need depreciation. I would think that your audience is very sophisticated, right? Like you guys Absolutely. don't teach newbies. Like people watching this are they're already doing making deals. big yeah. money, yeah. and uh, they have the same problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Some of your students that we were talking about beforehand mm-hmm. have come to me like, Tim, I need depreciation. Can I invest in some apartment building deals? What can we do? I don't want to take my eye off the ball in my primary business. 
but I want to either passively invest or figure out a way how to offset some of this stuff. So um, no, we've we've been it able to help sense. a lot of people doing that. It yeah. makes so, sense. So, what, what you, so if somebody has a lot of money, they can invest in the commercial in a deal that's not even your deal. Like it could be Tim's deal, mm -hmm. yeah. and and so we syndicate yep. by syndicating that you would you would depre you would actually offset. Gain, offset your taxes with that. So yep, uh, that's a I, I know that you know uh, Amir is last time he was saying he was cramming toward the end of the year. One of our one of our uh, mentees, he was like, man, I made a lot of money. I I want to buy yep. this. I'm like, yo, like it's okay. This year you haven't prepared yourself, but just know next year you have to prepare yourself. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. don't scram like December 29, yeah. and you're like trying to spend everything that you mm -hmm. have. Most of our most of our mentees uh, in our executive elite um, uh, program are seven figure flippers. Yep. They're all seven figure flippers, and some of them are making more money than they ever made. You know yep. what I mean? So. Uh, this is why this conversation is really good um, because one of my goals, right, is to get my hands on between us 500 units. Well, we also want to start a fund. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of aligning with everything that you're doing. You, you, there's no reason you shouldn't start a fund, yeah. right? Um, now, now, the thing is like, uh, I helped Pineda do this last year and we, we bought 334 units together. Um, That's incredible. And and that was, he, 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 raised, started, he raised his money, he, right? He raised he, the money. From his group. I brought the deal. Yeah. Yep. I brought the deal yeah. and I brought the operations. He raised the money from his, um, you know, influence yeah, on social yeah, media. Sure. And then uh, we both signed on the loan. And so we bought 334 units together. Um, the investors got, I think, an 8% preferred return. So while their money's invested, you bring a $100,000 uh, check to invest in the deal. They got 8% while mm. we own the property. Their money will be deployed for probably three to four years. Mm -hmm. um, so make 8%. And then we're going to refinance. They get all their money back. And the investor, um, the the investors as a whole own, I think in that one, it's like thirty five or forty percent. They get their cut ownership in the yep. deal forever. Yeah. Even after all their money's paid back, so they still. Well, that's are if you hold on to it. If we end up holding on to it, yeah. If, if we sell it, and they, they get their, their percentage. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. probably the property would be appreciated by by so much too. Yeah, and and so yeah, over four years, man, rents yeah. keep on bumping yeah. up. We pay down some principal on the loans. We value added in you know making improvements to the property mm -hmm. and and again increasing rent, putting better management in place. And uh, now there's a spread. We're into this thing for uh, $21 million, mm -hmm. and we expect it to be worth north of $30 million Beautiful. in five years. Mm -hmm. We're actually, you know, having conversations. There's people knocking on our door wanting to buy it in the high, mid to high 20s right now, mm. as is, mm -hmm. within like six months. So where, like, where is this again? It's in Georgia. Georgia. What, uh, what yeah. city? Uh, uh, Warner Robins. So it's about an hour south. It's kind of yeah. like by Macon, Georgia. It's a, it's a military town. So it's about an hour, hour and a half south of Atlanta. I got some really good questions for for the man. Ready? Oh, you ready? Rapid fire. You ready to start educating? Let's right. do it. All right, let's do it. Okay, so your average seven figure flipper out there that's listening to the show, watching, or actually even your aspiring, you know, big fix and flipper or wholesaler out there that's like, huh, you know, should I get into wholesaling? Should I or, or should I continue down this path or should I start digging into multifamily? Right. What would be the first step that you would have that person do? Like if you had to, you know, grab their hand and just like five to 10 steps of like, hey, this is how you do this, right? Like I'll mm -hmm. give you an example. If you want to wholesale, if you want to try to get your hands on a deeply discounted single family, you know, property, you know, what do you do? You know, you pull a list, you skip trace the list, and then you market to that list. And then you have conversations with the seller. You know, you put put a contract together, uh, you you close on the deal or you find you find the buyer. And then boom, the deal closes, you get paid, you know, end buyer buys his, his asset and then the seller gets his money, right? Yep. How, what would that look like for anybody out there listening? Not much different than that, dude. I'm, I come from the uh -oh. single family world, okay. you know? So you can source off market direct to seller apartment buildings the same way that you do it with single family. Dude, you pull a list, you skip trace it. Guess what? I got a phone 
numbered just like everybody else, right? That on the single family side, I have a mailbox just like all single family owners. You know, like you can email me, you can uh, send direct mail to me, you can call me, you can uh, text message me. Like all those different things are ways to get in front of people who want to. Do you people get people that call you? Yeah, a lot. Uh, occasionally, yeah. I just I don't answer phone calls, um, and I don't. Oh, answer, I, I know that for I don't. A fact. <laughs> I don't. And I don't answer voicemails either. So they yeah. got to text me or email me yeah. in order to get, in, and then I just you know put them the right person on my team. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, like, dude, you can drive for dollars the same way you drive for dollars on single family. You look for houses with tall grass and boarded up windows. You can do the same thing on multifamily. You can dial for dollars instead of calling for sale by owners. You call for rent by owners mm. and say, hey, I'm not interested in renting your place. I want to buy the whole building. Um, shit, go and hang out at, at eviction court right now. All the eviction courts just opened up. Most of them did. And, um, and guess what? There's landlord after landlord who hasn't gotten paid for the past 18 months. Mm hmm management companies and real estate attorneys who represent those landlords. Those are, that's a good network of people wow. to go and develop relationships with and just start handing out business cards or connecting with taking their business cards and saying, I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying, mm -hmm. you know, who's selling. I'm, I'm willing to come in. And those are a lot of motivated sellers who haven't been collecting rent. Now they got to renovate the units. They got to pay all these court fees. They got to pay attorney's fees. They got to store people's stuff. Like that's a great spot to start. For someone like us, would you find the deal first or would you raise the money first? Both. I do both at the same time. Mm. All the time, you have to be doing both of those things. So, what kind uh, of fund do you also need to actually raise money for a specific property? Yeah. So, um, I would plant the seed with your investor. Like, I'm always having conversations saying, hey, I got deals in the pipeline. In the next 90 to 120 days, I should be taking out some deals. Mm -hmm. You know, Carlos, Sal, do you guys want to pa uh, passively partner up on the money side, maybe bring some cash to the deal? Mm -hmm. And so now you guys have a timeline in place. Mm -hmm. You understand that I raise money mm -hmm. and you know that. You're going to be passive, which means you don't have to do anything and I don't want you to do anything, mm -hmm. right? And on the money side. So you know that I'm looking for cash, not mm -hmm. for you to do anything operationally. So I think that's a great way to just plant the seed with you know your following or your private money investors that you're looking to buy apartments. Because if you just bring them an apartment, you're like, will you fund this? Mm -hmm. They have to conceptualize that you're not just doing single family, but you're also doing multifamily, right? Mm -hmm. So if you just plant the seed now, then they can, they can simmer on that. And then now it's not about, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that they, they did this. Yeah. Now it's more like, oh, I was waiting for this deal to come yeah. in. And uh, do I want to fund this or do I not? Is the timing good or is the timing bad? You know, what is the return what I want or not? And so I would start planting those seeds. I have those conversations every single day. You know, hey, uh, I, I buy apartment buildings. I, I got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, probably closing in the next 120 days. Um, is that some, would you be interested in earning a fixed return along with having some equity in the deal forever? Yeah, I don't, I don't know anybody who would say no yeah, to that. Yeah. Uh, all right, great. Well, give me your email. I'll put you on like a list mm -hmm. and I'll email you the deal. We'll hop on a webinar. I'll explain the whole thing. And then if you want to raise your hand and say, I'm in, then great. If not, if it's not the right timing, no sweat. You'll just, you know, you'll hear about the next one. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a very, a lot of times I see people going to raise money and uh, do they go with a hunting mentality? And they're like, dude, guess what? When you go and hunt something, what does the prey do? Run. Runs away mm -hmm. fast, man. Mm -hmm. And so, you can't go with that kind of mentality. You got to go with uh, like the people that are uh, have the most success in raising private money are the people who typically don't need the money. You yeah. know, yeah. the banks want to lend to people who aren't desperate. And um, this dude is like chasing the hot girl in, in high school. Mm -hmm. Like because I was so desperately chasing her, she wanted nothing to do with me because I was desperate. You know, yeah. Yeah. and then the girls who liked me and I didn't really like, and I just yeah, got like you off, a they like me even more yeah. because yeah. I kept on pushing. Right. Yeah. So it's like you do the same thing with raising money. I'm like, I don't need your money. If you want to come in on the deal, great. If you don't, no problem. I have a waiting list 
of people who are, who want to jump in on. But this. you're always you're always growing that list. You're mm -hmm. always growing that always. list. Always, I'm always having those conversations. And again, dude, Grant Cardone, he's got a lot of money. Yeah. he still raises money on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know some big hedge funds that raise money on a daily basis. Yep. Um, it's something that you always have to be doing. Like there's really two things that matter and it's sourcing deals nonstop, yep. always, and raising money nonstop, always. And if you're doing those two things, then it just becomes a balancing lose. act yeah. of, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit cash heavy or I'm a little bit deal heavy. You're very rarely both at the same time. Yep. Yep. But if you can, you know, balance those two things out, man, you can build a lot of wealth. Let me, let me ask you this. And I wrote that down. What specific... Uh, fund type or class do you need to put together um, for you know different kinds of deals? Because the reason I asked that is because I, I overheard somebody say that you know if I was going to try to raise money right now, the first thing I would do is I would reach out to my uh, immediate like friends, family, and then also my you know our mentees. Right? Mm -hmm. um, that's probably what I would do. Mm -hmm. But I heard that you can't just be on social media saying. Nope. Hey guys, I'm raising money for my next apartment complex. Do you want in? SEC what? will come and shut you down yeah, and you'll never be able to raise that. money again. Yeah, talk to me about that. All right. So there's two different ways, two two main buckets on how to go out and raise money. One is a 506B. Okay. I'll okay. 506B, you can you can say that's a friends and family fund, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh so this is anybody you have a prior existing relationship with. Mhm. Mm and they say substantial, right? Um, what is substantial? That's not defined. So does a phone call count? Does an email yeah. count? Does a text message? Are you friends on Facebook? Like, have you ever met them in person? Have you ever talked about finances? Do students count? Maybe they do, sometimes they don't. It depends on the, the SEC attorney that you're talking to yeah. and how that is. So so that's non-accredited. Not, and you can, uh, you can raise money from accredited and non-accredited investors. Mm -hmm. 506B. But you cannot go out and take out a billboard or talk about it on social media. Mm -hmm. 506B. Which is that's uh, just relationship based relationship now, prior existing relationships. Is that the kind uh, of of uh, fund that a lot of people put together at first? Like probably Ryan at Pineda? first. Yep. Ryan no, Pineda. Well, no. Here's the thing. Pineda's got a lot of um, a lot of influence. You guys have a lot of influence. You guys are very vocal. You guys are great so you marketers. Don't suggest the I would not suggest that one. Okay. I would go straight to five hundred six C. That's what I keep hearing. And a five hundred six C is a general solicitation fund, mm -hmm. but it's only for accredited investors. Accredited investors are people who have a net worth over a million dollars, excluding their primary residence. Mm -hmm. People who make two hundred thousand dollars a year as an individual, mm -hmm. or people who make three hundred thousand dollars a year as a married couple filing mm -hmm. jointly. But so, now you can market that on social media. Now you can say whatever the hell you want. Now you don't you don't ever guarantee but you're returns. Have to turn down the people that are, are the people that don't that qualify. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the people who are not accredited. Cannot. And if they come to you and they're like, hey, you know, I'm interested. Well, hey, you're, you're not accredited, but don't worry. We have this other non-accredited. You cannot do that. Yeah. If they come from accredited marketing, you can't. You have to discard them, them forever. Yeah. Yep. You can never raise money, even if they even if they become, I think even if they become accredited in the future, um, you cannot ever raise money. It's a very from sensitive them. subject. It, it really it is. is. Yeah. Dude, no. it's it's black and white. And with the amount of eyeballs that you guys have on you, and, easy and to, same with easy me, to fall. Yep. Don't, don't mess around with it. Yep. Keep it very black and white. And, and just stay inside the lines. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Panetta did a, uh, a 506C fund. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that he did that made it a little bit difficult for him to raise money initially was he wanted it to be open-ended. He wanted to say, we're going to raise $10 million and deploy mm -hmm. it in multiple deals, but we don't have all the deals yet. I wasn't a deal specific. And that's hard to raise money when you don't have a tangible mm -hmm. uh, return to show to people of what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. So 
it's really all on his reputation, which he has a phenomenal reputation. Mm-hmm. But dude, it's a lot more conversations and it's a lot more yeah, hoops sure. to jump through and answers, you know, phone calls you got to hop well, it's on. People's money and they're they're you know they're they're afraid. Right. And yeah. so we had one deal where he had to bring about four million. I want to say four four and a half million, and uh, maybe it was five about five million dollars. And so they liked that one. But they didn't know what else the other deals could potentially be. So not, not everybody wanted to write a big check. Mm-hmm. So he ended up in the middle of it saying, this is a closed-ended fund, which is what I do, which is I I raise money for a specific deal, that, that one deal, yeah. and then I close it. Yep. And that way you can it's come in to find. Dude, here's one, two, three Main yep. Street. Here's what we're buying it for. Here's what we're selling it for. Or here's what the return's going to be. Yep. Like It's very specific. There's more certainty. It's so easy to show somebody in black and white yep. you know what that looks like and how it pencils out so he ended up closing it raised all the money as soon as he closed it and said this is the one deal that we're raising money for and he's like, everybody's like boom i'm in <laughs> and so now it's just each deal that you open is a new fund so right? so golden nugget do not leave it open-ended yeah I, I, it's it's very difficult to do open-ended funds at least when in real estate you know? I have definitive what property it is what's it gonna look like yeah. instead of saying Plus, oh you, we you have something from what I hear, like it, it's not like you're a single family where you got to close in thirty to you know forty five days. No. What's the average closing time of um, sixty to ninety days? Sixty to ninety days. So you have sixty to ninety days to actually yep. raise some capital. Yeah, and you've put your eyeballs on it. You've done a, a considerable amount of due diligence in the first mm-hmm. two weeks, right? So now you know that you're moving forward. So now it makes sense because, it, mm-hmm. dude, it, it's real money to have all these uh, it's private placement memorandums drafted, PPM. Absolutely. Um, and that's like the, the subscription agreement of like them actually signing the document mm-hmm. saying I'm, I'm in. And um, uh, the private placement memorandum and the term sheet and the accredited investor authorization, all, all that stuff takes some time. So, but you've done due diligence for about two weeks and it takes money. It's usually ten to $15,000 um, at least. I've seen some of them go north of that, but... Um, don't pay more than that. I got guys mm-hmm. who will do it for 10 to 15 mm-hmm. for you. So just reach out to me and I'll, I'll connect you. Beautiful. And then, um, uh, but it takes about three weeks to put that whole thing together. You just can't start taking money in un- um, unless you've you've shown you, that. So you can start talking about the deal. You can host a webinar. You can promote it on social media. And then once you, once you host the webinar and you get all these people who raise their hand and they go get their investor accreditation letter, you just need to have your PPM docs together mm-hmm. and done and provided to them before you start accepting money. So I have one last question it. because I'm a very technical guy. So do you uh, do you manage the fund entirely yourself or do you offset it with an, uh, like an outsourced company or who, who handles beyond like the payments beyond and, and you yeah, know, the so I, I have in house an in-house team that does all the capital management. We use a software called Invest Next. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good guys. Met the owners. They're mm-hmm. part of my mastermind and stuff mm-hmm. too. Um, and uh, they're the best software. Invest I think management, okay. capital management software out there that we've been able to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really like them. And then, and then from a standpoint of like who initiate, like you can make payments through that. Mm-hmm. They can put all the all the investor updates, quarterly updates. So um, it's easily manageable. Yeah. After. You don't have to have somebody that's been a manager of a fund for 10 years to, to let them run it. No, I mean, I, I would probably have somebody who has some like, like your, have your attorney pay them yeah. a couple extra bucks on the first deal just yeah. to like teach your team on, on what needs to be done yeah. and how to make sure that you're crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's, dude, because it's just not worth yeah. playing in the gray area yeah. in this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you do it the wrong way, you might get a slap on the wrist, but they could come in and be like, you did this intentionally, and guess what? You're never allowed to raise money ever again Jesus. for the rest of your life. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, is that serious? We, we don't yeah. want to mess around with that. No. Yeah, like, so just, we want to do dude, things. We will, we've always done things the right way, right. you know? So but it's the, you know, People it. are like, well, you know, I can... Yeah, it's, it's just, not worth it. It's, it's not, not worth it, dude. It's not worth it's it. Not worth, if you want to re- build a real business, just yeah. do things the right way. Yeah. And yeah. it has sustainability. Those know? are people that play the short game, right? The transactional, right? Exactly. Let me ask you this. So... 
I'm personally interested in buying, um, and before you leave, I'll show you why, but right behind our building here, um, there is, there's a, a huge apartment complex, right? Mm -hmm. You can tell it's a little rundown, especially for this Not area. Not a little, it's definitely rundown. Okay, it's yeah. super ran down. And this area here, right, this is like Jewish community, Midtown, this is like a really nice little area that mm -hmm. we're in. Well, this apartment complex is pretty ran down. You know, if I want to try to purchase this or, you know, strike a deal, what do I do, right? Where do I go get my list? And where, I guess just give me a rundown of what steps do I take to try to <laughs> try yeah. to take this property down okay. next to me. I mean, well, I mean, dude, it's like it's like if you saw a house and you're like, oh, how do I find this owner? It's the same way. You, you can look on public it. property tax map, you know, and then yeah. go and click on it and figure out their mailing address and their name and all that stuff. Well, most of them are like LLCs, But right? they're typically well, LLCs. Tried that a couple of years ago, Alex and I. No. Yeah. yeah, but if it's it's typically an LLC or the tax mailing address, typically goes to the management company mm. who really doesn't want to lose management, so they yeah. don't want to pass it along to the owner. So what what's a better route is going to the um um shit, what's the name of it? The uh, Open auditor's website. Open Corp. Yeah, go to the auditor's website and look up who the registered agent is mm -hmm. for that LLC. I skip tracing. It. So Secretary of State's website. You know, mm -hmm. that's what it is. Secretary of State, and then and then you go and find out who the registered agent is for the LLC, and that is somebody who's either the owner who gets like legal uh, documents, or it's their attorney who has a, uh, um, a fiduciary duty to pass along yeah, that he, message. He, there's not a lot of vested interest because right. it's the management side and all yeah. that. Yeah. So it's a lot better. It, it'll get you more direct. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously you can skip trace that and pull up emails, phone numbers, anything that could be potentially associated with that owner. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, CoStar is a big one, but it's expensive and it's really antiquated, I think. Mm -hmm. hard, to, hard to operate. Reonomy is another software that you do it. Mm -hmm. We used to do a lot with Reonomy, but then they sold to private equity and they've gone... They've fallen off a cliff. What dude. do you use now? Um, I just signed up with Reonomy. So one of the biggest data aggregators on the residential side is a, a buddy of mine, and you guys would know the software. Um, but we we collaborated about six, eight months ago, and we we created a commercial software. So That's awesome. it's launching probably the next two weeks called Commercial Empire Dealflow. And That's so cedealflow.com, it's not up yet, but we should have it. He actually emailed me yesterday saying, hey, dude, we can get this uh, up and rolling tomorrow. I just need to set up the login and everything. That's amazing. So we'll have that available, and, and it's it's half the price of Reonomy. It's a quarter of the price of, of CoStar. And I think, dude, you can search anything. So you could search properties in Arizona that um, and check any box that you want. And, and you could say, hey, I, I only want things that are owned free and clear on the market and are tax delinquent. Boom, boom, boom. Gives you the entire list. You mm -hmm. can skip trace it right there. Or there's a direct mail thing where you can send direct That's mail through it. Man. Dude, it's, it's badass. We made it super awesome because we took all the best parts of like Reonomy yep. and some of the other yep. softwares yep. and just dialed it up. So it's best in class at a lower price point than anything I else. Can't wait for I can't wait to, to see out. it, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Are you going to have... Um you're going to push it out to like affiliates, things like mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I'll hook you yeah. guys up on that. Yeah, set us up with that. Um, okay, so boom, I get, I get the phone number. Mm -hmm. I get the phone number. What am I looking for now? Because at this point, I don't know what rents are. Um, I don't know how much the property's worth. Yep. I, I don't even know how to calculate cap. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. What does that look like now that I'm, I'm in contact with this guy? Yeah, man. I think, um, great question. Great question. Uh, we all build this up to be something very, very complex and convoluted. First thing you got to understand is you I don't, think it's more of an intimidation factor. It is, very right? much so. Because it's like, it's a bigger deal, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, like, yeah. dude, I, I remember like, uh, and I totally get it, man. And it's, yeah. but, but understand this. It's valued 
Apartment buildings are valued based on the income approach, not based on the comparable approach, right? On houses, you're looking at the house down the street, three bed, two bath, same square footage. I think my house could sell for the same. For sure. On apartments, it's valued based off the income approach, like a business is valued. Mm -hmm. So it's based off of an income statement. What is the income minus the expenses equals a net operating income? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Can people lie? Uh, yeah, buyers are liars and sellers are worse, right? Okay. So, so get ready. We 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 bought a business for three hundred thousand in twenty nineteen. More than uh, three hundred, but yeah, more than three hundred thousand dollars in cash. We bought this business and uh, the guy lied to us. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. And there's nothing the, we can do about it at this point, right? So that's what I'm saying. Can so, they so lie the, with these financials? So there's ways to cover your ass, right? Like you can get um, certified financials where they have to mm -hmm. sign off on it, mm -hmm. right? So that's one thing that could hold them accountable. Another do thing. You do that? Yes. You should. And then, and then the other thing is there's a, a representations and warranties clause in your contract, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to use state of Arizona realtor contract yep. in order to go buy an apartment. You're going to pay an attorney $1,000 to go back and forth and create a customized purchase and sale agreement for that deal. Um, and in that, you're going to have a, some sort of clause that's a representations and warranties. It's called reps and warranties that says everything that they're providing is true and accurate to the best of their knowledge. And that way, you have typically like a year if you find out that they just completely lied and defrauded you, that's your guarantee. to be able to then go back and make a claim against them. Yep. So uh, definitely so there is some protection. Yeah. So there is some protection, yeah. at least at least a recourse of some uh, some kind against them. Got it. Um, but dude, so, if, if so I, back to this deal. Let's yeah. just say that each door, right? Uh, let's just say that it's all uh, two bedrooms, one baths. And let's say it's all keep it very simple. Fifty units. And uh, Fifty units and thousand uh, dollars a month rent. Mm, yeah, let's do that. Here? More? I mean, I just let, all right, all right, so 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 let's back up. Let's let's back up. When you guys look at wholesaling a deal, mm -hmm. do you guys care about what it's worth right now or what it can be worth and what you could what sell? What it for? can be worth. Mm -hmm. So something I see that uh, is a misrepresentation, not a misrepresentation, but uh, I don't misunderstanding. Know, a, a misunderstanding. Yeah. yeah, like is that they all look at what is it performing at right now. Mm. I don't necessarily care about that. I care about what can it be worth. If you, yeah, if, you do if I you renovate do, it yeah. and improve it and bump the rents up and, and appeal the property taxes and put in LED lights to limit the, um, mm -hmm. you know, the electrical wow. bills and low flow toilets to limit the water and sewer bills, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like these are all things that we're able to go and say, all right, it might be rented for $900 a month right now, but we know that we can get $1,200 mm -hmm. a month in rent. So I'm going to underwrite it with the stabilized numbers, the after repair numbers. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just, it's a couple extra steps. But then. how do you know for sure that you can get 1200 after you do your renovations? Uh, dude, jump on like uh, rentometer.com. Rent okay, got so it. So there's a bunch of websites that you can put multifamily. It's an apartment, it's two bedrooms, one bath. I wanna go three mile radius. Mm -hmm. What's the range of rents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, the rents actually show, you know, uh, 1200 to 13, 1200 to 1400. Just do it conservatively. Go underwrite it at 1200 bucks. Love it. Okay. So you can use that and just go for the, I usually go like the bottom quarter of, I don't go, don't go to the bottom of what their range gives, but I usually do like, you know. And at this point quarter. you are comparing class to class, right? Like you're comparing your apartment complex to like a similar apartment complex. Well, rent is rent, right? Well, and so what are the, what are the options? And then you can look at those other apartments. Like you can click but on the those reason I'm saying that and right, see how nice they are. This is a ran down, whatever, even though you're going to put some renovations in it, right? You know, two, or two two spots down, you got like brand new build luxury. of like three luxury. Right. So you're not, yeah. So you're so not can't compare to that. That's right. more of an A class, exactly. Maybe, right. Yeah. One hundred percent. And so, uh, but there could be other buildings that are like total C class, you know, mm -hmm. and and tougher. So you're gonna have the nicest renovated building because you're you want a great asset. You're gonna renovate, put in, you know, nice kitchens, flooring, paint, fixtures, all that stuff, amenities, and all that jazz. So typically, you're gonna be better than 
at least 25 to 50 percent of the mm -hmm. units that are out there on the market right Beautiful. now and so we, well, let's say we'll go in at 1200 bucks a month in rent 50 units that's sixty thousand dollars a month in gross rental revenue mm -hmm. do, you, do you need the calculator or are you good yeah i do it in my head okay let's do it um sixty thousand dollars a month and that and that doesn't include any other alternative sources of income. So you could be talking about, hey, we got uh, laundry income. Maybe there's some parking spaces mm -hmm. that you can rent out. Maybe there's storage spaces that you can rent out. Maybe there's it's a lot of signage or something that you can mm -hmm. put on there. So there's other things that you can boost the revenue in. Mm -hmm. Let's just go with rents. 60000 a month. We always underwrite it in an annual basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So times 12 is seven twenty. Yep. $720,000 a year. Depending on your market, there's going to be uh, a typical expense ratio. Okay. An expense ratio means if you added up all the expenses, what percentage of that, uh, or, and, and added all maintenance, up, security, I yeah, mean, all that taxes, insurance, yep. utilities, maintenance, management, all of it, uh, that, that all in expense number is usually a percentage of the gross. What, what, what's, potential rent? what's that percentage about 20? depending on where you are in that asset class that you're in, like up in Ohio, it's about 50% mm -hmm. with my new construction stuff. It's typically 25%. Mm. Okay. Here, I would assume it's going to be somewhere in the 30 to 40% 30, range. 30, let's just say 35. Yeah. I don't know what your taxes are. I don't know what your insurance is. Yeah. You know, like some of the insurance that I have is in the Southeast where there's hurricanes and stuff. So it's a little bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. So let's call. Nothing happens here. Yep. No tornadoes. Yeah. No nothing. Yeah. yeah. So you're good, man. You don't have, you don't have freezing temperatures. You don't have snow removal and ice and mm -hmm. salt and all let's that. Let's go stuff. on the high side. Let's do 40%. Say 40%. Okay. So you take 720 yep. and, and it's 40% expense. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so we want to know how much we're going to keep. Hold on. Go back. Okay. Say 720 times 0. 0.6 because you're keeping 60% of it, right? Mm -hmm. 432000 is what I'm keeping. Is your net operating income. Mm -hmm. Snapshot, I just underwrote that deal in five minutes or less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now it all depends on what kind of cap rate do you guys want to buy at. Mm -hmm. If you want to buy at a 5% cap rate, divide by 0. 0.05. Nope, divide. Oh, 432. Yep. Sorry, brother. Four, three, two, one, two, three. Divided by 0. 0.05. So it, you your all-in price on this would be eight point six million dollars. So if I if I if I buy this building next door between six and seven, if those are the numbers, yeah. And, and and now you have to deduct out your construction costs. Mm -hmm. So let's say, dude, you can make a pretty badass building. Fifteen k um, per door. Fifteen k per door. Yep. Times fifty. Yep. Fifteen. Fifteen times fifty. So that's seven hundred fifty G's. What is it? Giving? Fifteen times fifty. Okay. Uh, seven hundred fifty thousand. Okay. Yep. So you take what was it? Eight point six. Eight point six million. Minus seven hundred fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. So eight. Uh, eight point six. Eight point six million. I mean, uh, yeah. Minus seven hundred fifty K. Yep. Eight point six or eight point nine. Minus, eight point eight five. Right. Uh, I think it was eight point. It was what like was it? Seven point nine million. We're at seven point eight five <laughs> right now. Seven point eight yeah. five. Yeah. So you're at, you're at seven point eight million bucks. Mm -hmm. Um. Now you build it like if if that is going to appraise at a five cap, then you're paying retail price. If you went and bought it for seven point eight million dollars, got it. If you want to build in a discount for you, then you just figure out how much equity do you want to build into this thing. Maybe I'm going to go in at, yeah. at six million bucks, then you might be able to create one point eight million dollars of value on this property. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of bake that in however you want to, mm -hmm. but that's that's a way how to underwrite it really quick and understand if they're talking, they want $10 million for this thing. You're like, they're, dude, no you're way. out of your mind, you're out of, yeah. right? Um, if they say that they want 5 million, you better jump on that shit immediately. Sure. You know what I mean? Or, or what if they're at $8 million? Like, hey, let me go dive deeper into the numbers. This is meant to be a snapshot yep. of whether or not this deal is worth spending more time anything on. Anything under eight, six, would you say anything under Minus, eight point? 
Yeah, minus renovations. Minus renovations, which is seven, so seven, eight, seven. So let's call it seven point eight million. Okay. Then, so anything under seven point eight is a good deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's from a, a snapshot it's a analysis. Deal at that point, right? Yes. Anything below, and everything, that bo- everything below that, mil, you is get pure money. Mil, you, you would jump on it. Six yes. million, right? Yes. Okay. Um, but we don't know if it's fifty dollars either. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, we don't know anything. More, but, but, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so when if when you get in touch with that owner, mm-hmm. you all you needed to know for this is what is the unit mix, meaning how many one bedrooms, how many two bedrooms. Yep. And you probably want to ask what the occupancy is, because one thing we didn't calculate in there is like holding costs, mm-hmm. right? And carrying costs while you're doing the renovations. Mm-hmm. While you're doing renovations, obviously there's going to be vacant units. Yep. There's going to be turnover of tenants. There's going to be some of that. So, um, do you, you normally have to rent like like Airbnbs for those people when you're doing renovations? Because you can't do the renovations while it, they're there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, typically you would go in. So what I would do is I would go in to a value add project like that. And here's the thing, man. You got tenants in there who don't mind living in a shithole right Mm -hmm. at the end of the day so those probably aren't your ideal tenants long term you're going to go in there and say hey new management is in town let me make improvements to all the exterior and what you go and paint all the wind or paint all the walls Mm -hmm. and you add new amenities Mm -hmm. you clean up the pool you do all this stuff to show that you're providing value Mm -hmm. and a lot of that before you ever have a conversation with the tenants about the inside yeah and you're taking the vacant let's let's i mean if it's beat up they're probably running at an 80 percent occupancy maybe 90 percent, whatever but i'm going to go and turn those uh, 20% that are already vacant and I'm going to get those leased up, um, at market rate rents. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm at a pretty close to hundred percent occupancy, even though 80% of the people are still way low on their rents, mm-hmm. they're going to see the value that we created and the quality of people that we're attracting and how quickly we lease this mm-hmm. thing up. And then I go and have a conversation with those tenants, the existing tenants. And I say, Hey, you got to take care of safety. You got to take care of health items, but you don't have to do any cosmetic improvements. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not something that you have to do, right? So use that as a way to provide value to them. Hey, listen, I know you've been here for three years. You pay every month. I appreciate you. Uh, you know that you've been paying way below market rate rent, right? Like you should be at twelve hundred dollars. Tell you what, if I make some additional improvements and I make an additional commitment to you in order to make these improvements and give you a new kitchen or a new bathroom, like mm-hmm. let them tell you what they want. Will you make a commitment to me and sign a new lease at market rate rent? And you're going to find probably 70% of those tenants will do that. Mm-hmm. About 30- They want to live in, in a nice place. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't believe somebody mm-hmm. finally came in yeah. and is willing to give me new carpet. I've been here for 20 years and they never gave Jesus. me new flooring. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I mean, I've had this leak and my, my cabinets are all beat up. Here's the beauty of it. They're going to say yes. And you're going to be able to go in there and give them a new kitchen while they live there without having any sort of vacancy. Oh, you know, that because you're, you're, you're yeah. helping them out. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Then, all right. Well, Hey, can, can I send some guys in uh, Wednesday through Friday, change out your vanity, change out your, your toilet mm-hmm. up, you know, we'll, we'll tile your bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, if, can you stay with a friend or whatever, or can you use a friend's bathroom during this time? Or maybe um, they go and get a hotel or maybe you pay for it. Or like, I mean, that's endless different opportunities or ways to make that work. And then what do you do? So that's easy, right? If, if it's, uh, my rule of thumb is about, I need a 20% return on my investment. Mm-hmm. So if they want $5,000 of improvements, I'm willing to do that if they're going to bump up rent and I can make an extra $1,000 a month, or I'm sorry, $1,000 a year in rent. So if I can get an $80 bump on their rent per month, You're that good. yields about $1,000, yeah. I would make up to $5,000 of improvements. If I get $300, Dude, dude, that's 3,600 bucks. I I could give them a brand new unit because $3,600 a year in additional rent, spending 15 G's, I would do it. And maybe 
you move them into one of the one of the renovated units mm -hmm. and then you just take that one over yep. and then and then you do it that way so that's definitely something that you can do and then you know those 30 percent of the tenants that are like no i'm not paying more in rent typically they're not people that you want there anyways because they're they're probably slow payers or no payers or they're beating the shit out of the property mm -hmm. and they're they're typically the, the problem yeah. child you know they're stuck so, in their old ways yeah dude so let them let them leave no problem no sweat off your back and then um and then you turn those units and now you've got essentially half of your building is all brand new units and then as the other ones turn over you can you can bump those but you got the entire building stabilized renovated at market rate rents mm -hmm. in essentially 12 to 18 months amazing and dude when you take a look at the value that you can create by getting an extra yeah, yeah, hey, maybe you put $300, I'm sorry, let's call it 200 bucks yep. per unit, 50 units times 12 months, an extra $120,000 a year, and you created that value, I'd assume you guys' market appraises at like a five cap, maybe maybe five six stronger than that. Yeah. Dude, just by bumping up rents, by making those improvements, you increase the value by $2.4 million. Unbelievable. That goes to your net worth. Mm -hmm. your, your personal financial statement makes yep. you more bankable. Yep. And it's not money that you realize right now, but guess what, dude? You will realize that, and that's going to grow every month you make a mortgage payment mm -hmm. and every year as rents continue to rise. So just that small tweak. I love just that, it. Dude, think about this. What if you bought a building? What if you bought that building and didn't do anything with it? If you never did anything, what's an amount of rent that nobody would ever move out of their apartment for because you raised it by that much? Uh, here, um, even $1,000, nobody would move out. Yeah, yeah. but how, how much of a bump in their rent? Oh, let's um, say they're paying. Let's say they're paying eight hundred bucks a month. Yeah, how two, much? Two hundred dollars is still won't move out. You don't think anybody move out? Two hundred bucks. Okay, let's do a hundred. Dude, let's do fifty. Okay, let's do fifty <laughs> right. bucks yeah. a month Extra. times fifty. Yeah, times That's fifty 50. tenants. Over twelve months, that's thirty thousand dollars a year, going straight to the bottom line. You didn't put another dollar. Yep. You just raised the, fifty bucks. You yeah. didn't do anything. Oh, you, you didn't just offer additional. That. All you did is you just bumped the rents by fifty yeah. bucks a month, divided by a five cap, increased the net, increased the value of the building by six hundred grand. Or fifty dollars for doing nothing, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so do you see how this? Yeah. It's not. It's not just the amount of money that you're putting in. It's it, dude. It's amplified. It multiplies every every. It's a business. That's it's every based on that dollar that you increase the net operating income by, you will multiply that dollar by 15 to 20 times, mm -hmm. and that's what it adds value. That's, that sounds way more fun than single family. <laughs> right? The, the thing is, it's not it's not the cash quick rips, right? This yeah, is no. this is not a get rich quick, it's a get wealthy This is build, build wealth. Yeah. Dude, this yeah. is real wealth. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like think about this. Here's what's fucking mind boggling every time I think about this. I own $400 million of real estate in today's values. Um, I own about 30% of it overall on average. Mm -hmm. Okay. So some of them I own hundred percent of some of my, I just signed on a loan. I own 15, 20% of on average is about 30% of the overall portfolio is what I own. So, um, think about what over the next 30 years. So what happened to values from 1990 to 2020? Do you think they, what do you think? Do you think they doubled and went up by 50% probably tripled? Yeah. Pro, pro. Let's just say they double. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my portfolio, thirty. If I stopped buying real estate, this is I was never bought another piece of property. Mm. My portfolio is worth eight hundred million dollars when I'm sixty five years old. I'm thirty six right now. Mm -hmm. My portfolio is now worth eight hundred million dollars. I never do another thing, and I've paid down all the all the principal balance on the loan. I own it free and clear. My thirty percent ownership, if I never do another deal for the rest of my life, well, is worth two hundred forty million dollars. Mm -hmm. If I just hold the real estate, you can go buy an island. 
<laughs> another another one. Right? That's where you would retire, right? I have an island. Oh yeah, yeah. You were just yeah. Aren't you throwing like a mastermind on there or something? Yeah, we're, we're gonna do some stuff. We're gonna do, we'll do some cool stuff. I'm gonna do glamping tents there, but that's crazy, yeah. right? I didn't even know that. Yeah, he, he already bought an island. Holy, okay, wow. So, quick question: What is so, the down? So you guys see the power? Absolutely, absolutely. right. Yeah, it's and, and the amplifying power. It's, it's insane exciting. to just think about what could be possible if you put your head down, dude, and you don't look left or right, and you just build a portfolio for look the fo- for three long. to five years. And you get a couple hundred million dollars in real estate. Oh my God, man! Imagine just hanging on to it and yeah. what that's going to do for you, your family. Like, yeah. it's not—it's mind-boggling. You, you realize there's over seven hundred thousand properties, multifamily properties in the United States, five units and bigger. There's over two, uh, another two million or something that are that are duplexes and quadplexes. But there's seven hundred thousand properties that are at least five units and bigger. Mm-hmm. I only own sixty. Wow, that's incredible. Right, I yeah. only own sixty, and yeah. that's what—that's what I can do with my wealth. Yeah. yeah, think about this. Like, and the biggest owner of real estate of apartments and multifamily uh, only has two point four percent of the market share. Wow, which means it's all mom and pop yeah. owners yeah. of real estate. It's all which creates which that, is opportunity for people like us. It, and that's the, and that's the the thing. There's massive opportunity, and yeah. you don't need hundreds of thousands of units or even tens of thousands of units or even thousands of units yeah. in order to create a mm-hmm. legacy for your family you that just a thousand homes a year no <laughs> no it, crazy it's unbelievable and you know what do you believe that there's less competition in that space um for sure there's less people but it's more sophisticated people yeah right so it's like yeah there's less teams but they're very good qualified teams for you know sure I mean? for sure and so that's that's the differentiator um i i dude i think a sweet spot would be in this like 20 to 50 units 20 to 70 unit range it's bigger than what the small investors can can play in it's smaller than what the big investors like me want to get involved in um and it's typically owned by mom and pop investors are you looking into chicago right now no not really i got a buddy um his name is uh caesar caesar pina he uh i think he owns two to three thousand units by the way him and uh, a guy named dj envy all right um he's heavy in Chicago right now. Mm-hmm. So he, he owns like 50% of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I always say because he owns so many apartments in New Jersey. Um, but he's really, really involved right now in Chicago with multifamily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering what's going on there. And he also just created a, a huge fund. Uh, he, it's called Trinity Fund or something. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think I got to connect you guys at some point, man. Yeah, yeah man. I'd, I'd love to talk to him. Like I, there's there's coming from New Jersey. He probably knows how to navigate the politics of being in a heavy. Oh, like, he's heavy like, with the mayor yeah, tenant friendly yeah, state. He's, he's yeah. Um, yeah. So you, like you need those relationships. No, you he need has, to go and, you know, contribute yeah. to political he, he's campaigns. Like, there's, involved, for yeah. sure. there's a lot of that. For and sure. that Chicago is very much the same way. Yeah. Any of the blue states really are. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't, I don't play much in that space. Where are you I'm playing like, right now? Where, where, Southeast. Where, Southeast. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, panhandle of Florida. I'm, you know, I'm bigger than the small investors. I'm smaller than the, the hedge funds and the REITs, you yeah, know? So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm playing in like secondary markets mm-hmm. in the Southeast and you can build a lot of wealth in those areas, man. I love it. Are you doing any single family anymore? Um, like I bought, um, a mainland property. Like I, I have a couple of very unique, what, what do you do? Yeah, upscale what do you do Airbnbs, okay. short-term rentals. So okay. I have like a ridiculous house up in the mountains of North Carolina, um, that I use for personal use. And then we Airbnb it and host events there. And then I have a, a house that's kind of over by like Hilton head Island. If you guys are familiar with that area, yeah. that's like right on one of the main rivers and it has like an unbelievable view of the marsh. And that gives me mainland access to my Island, which is right there too. So, Beautiful. uh, we got parking and we have boat docking and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but it's like a $5 million house. When's your next um, When's your next event or mastermind? Um, yeah, so I have Commercial Empire, like uh, 
I do that three times a year. The next one's in April. And then as far as masterminds go, I typically host masterminds. I, I have something called Legacy Family Mastermind. Mm -hmm. And you know a bunch of people that are in there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we do three of those a year. So they're typically in February, June, and October. And um, Those are very it, private, right? Intimate? It's only for mastermind members. We don't sell tickets to it. Okay. So, I mean, but my masterminds, it's... Dude, there's a ton of value for not a lot, not a big price point. So we charge a three thousand dollar upfront one-time me membership fee, and then it's a thousand bucks a month. That's it. That's uh, great. And we do daily phone calls with my entire team, uh, group calls. We have all sorts of access to resources. The software comes for free mm -hmm. with my mastermind members, mm -hmm. um, which it would would typically be like three hundred bucks a month um, if it's paid that way. But yeah, it's uh, we're including it with our mastermind members. So it's yeah, dude. There's a lot of value, and there's a, a great sure. great That's connections. Awesome. And if you want to be in this space where you're doing commercial real estate, we have well, that's the some next, of the biggest players yeah, in that space. That's the next you know? step. It's like uh, everybody knows. I mean, you know, we everybody has, like I was telling you when we started, right? Like everybody has their niche, mm -hmm. right? You know, we're, we consider ourselves the, you know, build, scale, automate, delegate, mm -hmm. you know, people when it comes to building like wholesale or single family investment, fix and flipping uh, companies. You guys are the you best are, in the country at it, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. You are, in my opinion, I think everybody in the single family space is deviating deviating towards you everybody's sending their people like hey i can't teach you commercial go see tim brats you know what i mean go see tim brats so <laughs> yeah um it's a beautiful thing man that you're you know you've made a name for yourself and and now i see you're ramping up your social media a little mm -hmm. bit right and yeah you're making a name for yourself there so uh it's a beautiful thing to see man and i god willing i think we can probably do some things together this oh, year for sure now man. that we finally actually got to meet you know what i mean i know dude yeah. I, I, so i have a few properties where Either I could sell them to you guys, or maybe like I come back in and, and we we joint venture or something. For but sure. There, there's a handful of properties like in Louisiana that we have, and Illinois, and, and some other like really good ones. That um, what cap do you usually like in those areas? It depends on the market, but typically we we want to be all in for about a, a differential of like two points based on what the market cap rate is yeah. and what we're all mm -hmm. into it for. Got it. Does that make sense? So yeah. if the, so market the market cap raises is a five, at five, uh, those are probably. They're more secondary markets, so it's probably like a six percent, maybe even six and a half. Okay, we would want at least like an eight and a half, Makes right? Sense. But that's because we're turning these things. Yep. Um, if you're buying because you want depreciation mm -hmm. and because you have a bunch of investors who want to hang on to it and offset the wild inflation that's happening right now, then you might be good with it for five years or ten years, yeah. and you you might be okay paying a six percent or six and a half yep. percent cap rate because it can, dude it covers all the debts. I mean, interest rates are so low, so it covers the debt service. It covers your investor payments, covers all operating expenses, uh, puts some cash in your pocket because it's mm -hmm. stabilized right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you the depreciation benefits that are going to offset a substantial amount of Absolutely. your other uh, income. business yeah. income. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now you just hang on to it for five to 10 years, slam down principal payments, let the property appreciate over time. And you're sitting on three, four million bucks of equity over the course of five to 10 years from now. And then you can either sell it, realize that gain or refinance it pull some tax-free money off the table or sell it and roll it into something bigger um, that, that maybe, you know, instead of a hundred unit, now you go buy a 200 unit with it. Love it. Beautiful. Man, and I feel like we should have yeah. a part two of this. <laughs> <laughs> My brother. Dude, I appreciate you man. guys having me. Thank you, man. It, man. It, it means a lot. And, and, um, I can't tell you how, how much respect I have for what you guys have built and the impact that you guys make on, Thank you, on your audience, dude. It's nothing but amazing, amazing reviews. So Thank got a ton you, of respect bro. for what you guys got going Same on. Same thing, man. Thank and you, man. Uh, man, you know, uh, energy attracts energy, mm -hmm. you know? Love it. So thank you, brother. Um, and I, we got a, we both got flights to catch, right? Let's roll. Where, where are you headed to? We'll continue the conversation. Going back to Charleston. Okay. I'm headed to yep. Destin. I'm oh, nice. Small, intimate mastermind there. So, yeah. um, okay. Well, guys. 
another episode, uh, All In Entrepreneurs Podcast. Tim Bratz, the multifamily expert, guys. Reach out to him if you have any multifamily needs. Uh, Carlos Reyes, Sasha Kier, Mr. Tim Bratz, and we will see you next week.